You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. So 14, so 14 was a, a lot of talk about uh, some uh, Christian liberties and, and how there's the situation of the conscience and not every single thing is, is black and white law. You know, this is, this is wrong, this is right for every single person. There are a lot of things that are that, uh, but there are things that fall into the category of whether or not it violates your own personal conscience. And we see uh, <clears throat> a lot of that in 14 is, uh, is due to a lot of the Jewish restrictions on food and what they could eat, what was clean, unclean, those types of things, what they could drink, uh, when they could drink, when they worshiped, mm-hmm. things like that. There was a lot of, there was a lot of you know, you, do, you just do this because this is what the law is. Um, and Paul's coming in here saying, Jesus has kind of changed all that because he is the fulfillment of this. So, so if you still follow that because you feel like you feel like eating unclean food, unclean food is you sinning, that's fine. Follow that. But don't necessarily do that as uh, something that is going to is going to lead to you being saved and also don't push that on other people that they have to do that to be saved. So, <clears throat> that's the Christian liberties part, you know, 14 is, is talked about. And, and uh, obviously with us in our modern day, you know, there are a lot of people that, that uh, eat, you know, certain things because they have certain, you know, thoughts and opinions about them. And, and same thing with drinking or same thing with a lot of different stuff. Uh, of course, I came up with uh, the one thing I thought was kind of funny was uh, verse 2 and 14. Um, one person has faith to eat all things, while another who is weak eats only vegetables. Uh, which, which is not to say that vegetarians are any less in value or, or weak. It's just to say that they're, you know, if, if your view is that eating vegetables is the right thing to do, and it violates your conscience to eat more than vegetables, you know, to eat animal meat or something like that, 
then don't do it. Um, but don't also tell everybody else that everybody else has to feel the same way. Uh, so, um, but obviously that could be a, a little joke as vegetarians are weak, which I'm not saying. But now 15 kind of turns into, <clears throat> 15 turns into, okay, we heard all about these, you know, Christian liberties and, and how, you know, Christ has settled a lot of this for us. And, and um, you, you now have the ability to live more freely in the sense of, you know, you don't have to live by these restrictions if it doesn't violate your conscience. So 15 is, is okay, now that we're throwing out there this mix of people are going to start doing what their conscience says they can or cannot do. How do we live with, with those differences? Um, because there's going to be a lot of disagreements. There's going to be a lot of opinions flying around. And there's going to be a lot of uh, differences uh, among you know, people. And, and so how do we live with that now as, as we all are believers, but there's going to be some pretty big differences. So 15, the first couple verses are... are Kind of a, a continuation of 14, but um, verse 1. All right, you know what? Before I do all that, I'm, I'm going to read the, the whole thing like I like to do. Uh, just to kind of wrap our minds around all this section. So I'm going to read 15, uh, 1 to 13. We who are strong ought to bear with the shortcomings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written... The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you harmony with one another in Christ Jesus, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring glory to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and extol him, all you peoples. And once more, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear one who will rise to rule over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles will put their hope. <clears throat> now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, um, there's going to be differences. And to put yourself in... Again, the, who Paul is speaking to. Paul is speaking, he's, this is in Rome, and he's speaking to uh, a large, probably, probably mostly Gentile crowd, but also some Jews mixed in. So he's, he's speaking to basically the crowd, again, Jews and Gentiles in that context. He's basically speaking to the, the most different crowd possible, like the most you know, separated crowd in terms of, of how they view religious practices, how they view different, you know, different things going about life and uh but he's saying you know now under christ we can harmonize we can have unity uh with one mind even with all these differences and 
I don't know about you, but that, you know, obviously immediately you go through all out all throughout history and then come up to now modern context. Like that's so that's so applicable still to to this day and always will be because we all have we all have many minor and major differences among us. And um, but but what scripture says and what God wants is is there still to be a harmony a harmony on the most important things. Uh, keep the majors the majors, if you want to say it that way. And so we'll go back to uh, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the shortcomings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So he's saying, Paul's writing, we who are strong. So he's obviously throwing himself in that strong category. And Jim brought up a good point right before we talked. You know, can... Is it okay for somebody to say that you're in that category? <laughs> you know, is it okay to say that, uh, hey, you know, I, I'm a humble person, so I'm going to tell you, you know, uh, in, in my humble opinion, um, is, is that humble in itself? It's kind of that example. Uh, you know, can you as a strong believer, can you say that you're a strong believer? Does that keep you in that category? Uh, personally, I think it does. I think you, I think you can say that. Um, and one of the strongest points to why I think you can say that is because it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's right here. Uh, Paul says, we who are strong. So that's Paul. And we also see Paul saying in other places, um, you know, I, I have uh, uh, become, you know, one, one with everybody. Uh, I said that weird. But, um, you know, he, he's going to go somewhere and basically follow along with what they want to do. As long as it's not directly violating scripture and, and godly principles, he's going to go along with what they want to do. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from meat if you want me to stay away from meat. I'll worship on a certain day if you want me to worship on a certain day. And that's kind of the approach here. Um, so <clears throat> going to the strong point, um, when you become, I think, I think the more part of maturing in, in, uh, Maturing in your relationship with the Lord is you start to realize where where you are strong at and where you are weak at. I think I think that I think all of us as individuals are strong and weak in different areas. I, I don't know how you can get past that. Um, and part of part of having relationship with people is humbly realizing where you are strong and where you are weak and uh and and then applying that to your relationship as you go day to day with people um so an easy one i think i'm pretty sure mark has talked about this but an easy one could you know could be alcohol yes could you make the argument you know all day and night that alcohol is an unwise thing to do you can you can do that you can use many great examples but there's going to be people in many different cultures around the world there's going to be many different people in, in just your local setting of a group of friends or whatever that they have zero problem drinking alcohol not to get drunk but just having you know a beer here or there uh but if that person who can do that i'm talking about believers if that believer that can do that you know having a beer at dinner one night or whatever if he can do that and he goes to somebody else's house who knows that it's a struggle for them or not a struggle but they just are highly against alcohol period 
I believe it would be a sin for that stronger brother to then bring alcohol into that setting. There's no reason for it. There's, you know, so that's where the humility, that's where the relationship part comes in and the maturity part. And, but apply that to anything. Apply that to, uh, you know, think about, think about the Jews who before this happened, they stuck so, so strictly to the, to the meat laws and to the food laws that they had. But then all of a sudden when they hear this and they receive the true gospel and they become believers, there were some of them that said, oh, I don't need to do this. Like this, this is actually great. I'm going to enjoy some of this food. And they did. So, so there were those people, I'm sure, among this crowd of, of pe- Jewish people who used to, used to follow those laws that now didn't have to within their own conscience. But if they were around uh, fellow believers who did still feel like in their own conscience they had to follow those, those same food laws, they should, they should abide by, by their, their weaker brother's conscience in those situations. Um, <clears throat> So uh, I, I see here, um, as the strong ones, we are to what? We are to bear with the weak who within their own conscience can't do certain things. Um, but part of this is, uh, uh, part of this is, is one, we are to what? We're to bear with. Why? Because we are not, uh, we are not to live in a way, um, we're not to live in a way that is, is, is all about us. We see at the end of verse one, um, not uh, we we bear with uh, the shortcomings of the weak, not to please ourselves, or and not to please ourselves. So it's again, it goes back to humility. It goes back to this life is not just about you as an individual. It's not just about you. It's about it's about God and glorifying Him, and it's about loving your neighbor. And if loving your neighbor means that you have to restrict yourself in a way that you personally don't need to be, but in their presence you do, fine, you do it. And for me personally, that's a, that's a very convicting thing for certain reasons. Uh, but I, I need to do it. And uh, I like what Tony Evans says about this verse right here. He says, patience for others should flow from our understanding of how patient Jesus has been toward us. So many of these different, th- different principles and, and how to apply stuff in, in Scripture and what it says, what does it really mean, all this stuff. Uh, so many times, dare I say most of the time, goes directly right back to the gospel. And, uh, and <clears throat> we'll see that a little bit more uh, uh, in, in verse 3. But this idea of, of I struggle with patience you know, with, with my weaker brother. Well, how much patience did Jesus have to do to, to, to how much patience did Jesus have to show uh, for you, you know, or and every moment of every day have to show for you his grace and his mercy every moment. And so that's something that, you know, help us, help us get into that, that, that framework of, of how to work in this uh, relationship wise and unity wise with others. <clears throat> um. Verse 2, each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We should care about loving our neighbor um, because we actually want what is best for him him or her in order for them to be built up. Uh, We should want want them to be built up. We should want what is best for them. That 
now that entails not giving up truth. That entails, you know, maybe sometimes there's going to be some awkward conversations and things like that. But we do that out of true love for them because we want them to be built up. We want them to be to be edified. Uh, and and I, I, I think I don't remember if I put it in my notes for later on, uh, but I did. Um, so I'll read that later. But um, but having unity doesn't doesn't mean relationship is free of conflict or, you know, uh, is, is absent of any awkwardness or or any, uh, you know, it, it's it's not just enough to always be in a happy, positive place with somebody that doesn't. That doesn't mean you're truly loving somebody if you're just always happy, always positive, always seeking the way out of non-conflict. That doesn't, that's not what this means. <clears throat> and you can see that pretty easily through, you know, so much of Scripture. But just one example that pops in my head is, is Paul's writings. You know, how much is he giving strong warnings to fellow believers? He's doing that out of love for them because he wants them to be built up. He wants them to be edified. But he's also warning them, hey, stop this. This is really bad. You need to stop doing what you're doing. And, uh, but he's doing it out of true love for those people. <clears throat> Verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who in insult you have fallen on me. And that's from uh, Psalm 69.9. I see... Uh, I didn't write any notes down for this except I, I put a bold on, on even because I picture, I picture Paul kind of saying this in the sense of, guys, for even Christ did not please himself. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Did I, did I say that, you know, yeah. good? Like, even Christ, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the God-man. Yeah, somebody higher than ourselves. Yes, yeah. yes. Did not please himself. So, so back to verse one, uh, we bear with uh, because we are not to, we are not about or shouldn't be about pleasing ourselves, because even Christ didn't do that. Even Jesus, the Messiah, didn't do that. <clears throat> well, it's such a change. I mean, you know, as leaders, you know, you expect them to have this you know, regalia and pomp and circumstance, and he clearly. You know, change that so far that it was like crazy. That's that had to be a problem for some people. Like, no, he can't be the king of kings. Mm -hmm. You know, look at it. But the answer that is verse three to me is really the answer of the whole previous chapter, the whole thing. You know, because it yeah. isn't about pleasing ourselves. Where, where, who snuck in at night and told us that? And that was the case. Yeah. So. And, and I think that's a, again, these, these principles have always been applicable all throughout history. But you think of, you think of an age and time in history of when, when was it more about the individual and pleasing ourselves than it is right now? Before the fall. <laughs> well, yeah, no, good point. Good point. No, historically, it's been there. I mean. Yeah. But I mean, well, I'm, I'm saying within our hearts and what is preached in culture but also the capability that we have okay. to fulfill that. Well, I mean, there have been a lot of times there have been big separations, yeah. even bigger than ours, and, and you know, the haves and the have-nots, and the serfs and the feudal system. And, I mean, you know, a lot of cultures, yeah. you know, 
we're not, we may not be the king of it. <laughs> we just don't, I, I yeah, just, we don't if, know our history well enough. Because um, it, it came up, you know, it's come up big times. Hey, the one, one of the major things I've learned about history, the more I get into it, is the more I learn about history, the, the more I realize I don't know about it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, yeah we, we, we enslaved people in this country, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that was way back when, when things were, you know, so nice and sweet and everything. No. And, you know, we told Native people they had to leave their rich land and go out into, you know, somewhere in Barrow, Oklahoma. I mean, you know, yeah. we got, it's been around. Yeah. So, so we're going to go to, uh, okay, four or five. Uh, I kind of did these together. <clears throat> for everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you harmony with one another in Christ Jesus. Uh, remember, context of, of what he, the, the writings that he's talking about is, is what we know as the Old Testament. Um, I don't need to remind any of you guys in here that, but just that's the point. Um, these writings that, that they had at that point was the Old Testament. He was in the middle of living out the New Testament. So uh, what he's talking about is, is the Old Testament. And, and he's saying that was written uh, for their instruction, for endurance and encouragement. And uh, so that we might have hope. He's telling them, he's telling them that the Old Testament was written for instruction on life but that whatever they went through, they had that hope to look forward to in the Messiah. And that's what the Old Testament was leading to. And, now, and then also, obviously, Paul is saying Jesus is that Messiah. And um, I'm going to read this and, and try to make it clear, because if I just read on the notes, it doesn't make sense. But uh, the, instruction to, the instructions to live with endurance and encouragement was given by God. And leads to that point in history where the Messiah would come and unite Jew and Gentile. So those scriptures they already had were God-inspired scriptures that were leading to the point of unification among the Gentiles and the Jews. And that unification was going to come by Jesus Christ. And, and that's what it was. Uh, so I handed out an article um, I handed out an article earlier that I thought was, was really was a really good summarization of, of really this whole section I'm preaching over. But um, I want to just I'm just going to read one part here. It's, I think it's the second to last paragraph on the article. Paul's desire is that God would grant the church at Rome a spirit of unity so that they may live in harmony with one another. This does not mean they will all come to the same conclusions or that they will be in, there will be an absence of conflict. This is obvious from his discussion of weak and strong Christians. Rather, it is unity of perspective that is desired, and the desired perspective is that of Christ. We are to think as he does and take on his values and priorities. So, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have different strong opinions. Um, But at the end of the day, are your values and your priorities the perspective of Christ, and uh, and I think I think that so for example, there's 
every one of us in this room, we know each other pretty well. We have, we have good relationships. We, we all would say that we, uh, this, this Bible is God's word. Uh, we want to live out God's will for our lives. We want to do all this stuff. But if, but if we really got down to it, we're going to disagree on some things. We're going to disagree on uh, whatever it might be. Um, but there's probably even some things in Scripture that we might disagree on. What I find very interesting, and, and this thought kind of hit me earlier this morning, was why is it so easy for us to it, – it's easy on one hand and on the opposite hand. This is the interesting part. On one hand, it's easy for us to be among – be among people in our circles that we're usually around and just love them and live with them and do life with them. And in our circles could be friends and could be family that aren't even believers. So they could be living who knows what, however they want, but we still love and do life with them. We still love them and want them around and all that. We have no problem with that with some people. We're okay. With, yeah, we're okay with that. But then but then why is it so easy for us to turn on like social media or something like that and to go and start an argument with a with somebody else who we know is a fellow believer but this 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 like little tiny point of theology that we disagree on all of a sudden all of a sudden we want nothing to do with that person like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense for for unity and it doesn't make any sense for why we're okay with the one, but we're not okay with the other. And uh, it, it just, a, just, just something I thought was, was good to bring up in this setting of unity and, and harmonization. Uh, you know, again, like where <clears throat> does it come to, are, are there some clear principles on, uh, you know, things that are heretical and things like that. So, you know, there's teachers who are out there preaching some of that stuff, but uh, is it fair to say that there's a difference between a heretic and somebody that says some heresy? You know, maybe we need to think about some of that sometimes, too, before we, we start blurting out in public that this person is, is a heretic. I'm, I, I really don't have anybody in particular in mind. It just is something that I'm, I'm working out as I'm, I'm talking about all this. Um, so it just is stuff to keep in mind as we're, as we're maturing and as we're wanting to have uh, we're pursuing the same goal of unity with with a body of believers. Uh, you probably also heard it said too, um, unity unity over uniformity. Uh, where, in other words, we don't need to all exactly one hundred percent down this you know down to the very last letter believe exactly and think exactly the same way, but we do need to have unity with each other. Um, because quite honestly, there's just it's not possible for us to all think. And have the same opinions on everything. It's literally not. We can't. And uh, but we do. We are called to have harmony in in the fact that uh, we are to have the perspective of Christ, and that we are to have His values and His priorities. So much of this comes comes down to prioritizing. Prioritizing, you know, what Scripture says. Uh, what our people around us say, and then what are just our opinions that we hold really strongly to? Um, and are we willing to possibly change those opinions? Or are we just going to hold to those till the day we die? Which is fine in some cases, but sometimes maybe you are just wrong. Uh, <laughs> I make the joke usually to Andy. Uh, it's okay that your opinion's wrong. It's fine. <laughs> um, you know, God who gave us his word, 
he's not surprised by the fact that we don't all view some things the same. So in his province, <laughs> you know, he knows that. Yeah. And he did not delineate every little thing. And he left that up for the working of his spirit in us. And so, yeah, I mean, just think about it. It's like, you know, God's apparently, you know, okay with, with this as a means of growth mm -hmm. for us. And the difference between what the Apostle Paul wrote and what most Christians do is that he, you know, either wrote it or even though he's accused of never doing it face to face. But normally we do it when we're not in the company of that person. Mm -hmm. You know? Did you, hear, did you see what Aaron did? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, is, is, is he going? You know, <laughs> yeah, he's down the street. Oh, did you hear what he said? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. us. So that isn't what God wants. We're, we're pretty clear on that. But yeah, he has, he knows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are we going to do with those things? Are we going to make those things the big things when he didn't? Living it is, is, you know, I mean, obviously he's all for sound doctrine, but he didn't include all of these things. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I wish he wouldn't, and other times I'm like, whoa, the, where am I going to fall? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's, so. Yeah. I mean, why do you think it says a couple times in Scripture, uh, you know, be quick to listen yeah. and slow to speak? Uh, you want to say something? No, I was going to say, I remember a situation I was in when we were down at the prison. Me and another inmate had a discussion on predestination. Mm. You know, I was on the side of the side as well, whatever was on. But another inmate came up to me afterwards and said, Jim, does it really matter? We all got here somehow. Does it matter whether predestination is right or it's wrong? We're Christians, it's all about Christ. We're here. That's the common denominator. So again, some of these things that we think are so important doesn't really matter. We're all here. We got here somehow. It doesn't matter. And in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, it's good to have a Jim McGitz that keeps you reminded of that. You know, at the end of the day, is there, there's a lot of this stuff that doesn't really matter. Yes, it matters in a lot of ways and could be very important to one person and not so important to another. But can we both agree that it's, it's not a, it's not a sal salvation issue? It's, it's not a main major point of scripture. Uh, so does it really, really matter at the end of the day? And a lot of things fall into that. Um, so as much as, you know, sometimes we make it annoyed that you always say that, you're not wrong, though. <laughs> you, you are right in, in kind of being the reminder of that point. Uh, because it's, it's something that we do need to be reminded of. <clears throat> um, and hopefully you're not offended. I just called you annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> he loves you. Yeah. Why do you tell you I'm too stupid to be <laughs> we won't get into that. Uh, so verse 6. <clears throat> Again, it's coming right off of verse 5. Um, I'll start in verse 5. Uh, May God give, uh, the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you harmony with one another in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we've talked a lot about our, our differences. We've talked a lot about... <clears throat> how it comes down to what is it comes down to really our the, the main thing is the purpose and the perspective uh, and, and prioritizing and having the same values as Christ and uh, Tony Evans says about this unity embraces uniqueness as long as the goal of the uniqueness is one purpose and I like the uh, the example of, of 
of an orchestra, they all have the same, they have the same song in front of them, or the, the same notes, uh, not same notes, but this same song. I could be wrong on that. Uh, their, their main goal is to play the same thing in harmony with each other. But there's, you, you look at it, how many different instruments and stuff are in there. You know, people are playing a different one right next to somebody else who has a different instrument. But their goal is to harmonize with each other. And when they do it properly, it sounds beautiful. It sounds amazing. How good of an example is that for the body of Christ? To, you know, have our differences, but with the same goal, we harmonize. And then it looks like something beautiful. It looks like loving your neighbor because you want to see them built up. It looks like loving God because you all want to please him and, and, and you want to live in a way that is for his ultimate glory. And <clears throat> so verse uh, seven, yeah, verse seven, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring glory to God. Uh, we already saw in verse five, obviously, I just got done talking about it. Um, this harmony that's needed. Uh, but then he also goes on to say that we need to accept or to receive one another. And I think this all just keeps falling under the same point of it's okay to have, uh, it's okay to at the end of the day say we agree to disagree, but I accept you. I, I receive you uh, in, into, into my life or I receive you into, uh, into unity. I receive you in relationship and that's, Important. I mean, that's what the whole thing is. This whole section is all about. Uh, <clears throat> keep in mind. Again, this is all for the, the all the purpose, all for the purpose of uh, glorifying God. And uh, and I mentioned this earlier, but I just want to mention it again, just to make sure that it's cemented in. The who he's speaking to are the most opposed sides possible. You know, the Gentiles and the Jews that he's speaking to. And uh, so, again, he's speaking to Jews who are going to stay strictly among their, do, their, do their, their laws and all that, but still be believers. Then he's, you know, I'm sure he's speaking to Jews who, uh, who come from a Jewish background and followed all those laws, but now in their own conscience, they feel like they don't have to. He's speaking to Gentiles who probably lived all kinds of evil ways and did all kinds of evil things but now are, are going to stop all that and, and turn their life and, and want to live for Christ. And then he's probably also talking to Gentiles who maybe didn't do a whole lot of evil stuff in their life before they knew Christ. So the, he's talking to these, these groups of people who are just opposed on almost every single way. And uh, so that should help us too in, not that it makes us, not that it makes it easier for us to, you know, accept and receive and, and love others who see things differently than us. But it's, it's a good reminder that, that should help us to find that unity with believers who are different than us. <clears throat> Verses 8 and 9. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. Again, Christ is the fulfillment of what was said in the Old Testament, to the patriarchs and all and, and, and all throughout the Old Testament and the prophets, he's the fulfillment of this. Uh, and because he is the fulfillment, um, 
because he is the true Messiah to the Jews, that also means that he would be the Savior to the Gentiles. He is the unifier. He is the one that brings all of them together. And again, because he is that true Messiah that's prophesied about in the Old Testament scriptures to the Jews, because he is that true Messiah, that also means he's also the Messiah of the Gentiles. He also is their Savior. So then we just see in uh, verses 9, the second half of verse 9 to verse 12, uh, these are Paul, kind of to cement his point, uh, is a lot of... One, the, one note I read was uh, many ancient writers, they, they, I mean, we still do it to this day somewhat, but many ancient writers had a tendency to use their strongest point at the very end of their, their presentation or their writing. And that's basically what he's doing here by, by using uh, Old Testament scriptures to cement his point of Christ is the Messiah and he's also, he's also the Savior to the Gentiles. So verse 9 what he quotes is from 2 Samuel 22.50. Uh, verse 10 is from Deuteronomy 32.43. Uh, verse 11 is from Psalm 117, verse 1. And uh, verse 12 is from Isaiah 11.10. What I think is, this is just a side note I literally just thought of. But what I think is so cool about that is it's easy for us right now to say, to, to you know, look at these verses. Oh, he, look, this is a quote from the Old Testament. And then we see in our note right here, oh, this is uh, Psalm 117.1. There is no chapters and verses in Scripture. That was added hundreds of years later. So Paul knew the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. He knew those so well that he could pull out sentences that he knew a lot of those people he was talking to would also know. He could pull out sentences and, and, and go this, this, and this. This is why this is a big deal. And obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, but like, that is just amazing to me. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's so cool. Uh, John Calvin kind of summarizes these couple verses by saying, how could the Gentiles who were ignorant of the greatness of God praise him? This is therefore a most appropriate prophecy for proving the calling of the Gentiles. And then we end, uh, I need to end anyway, but then we end here kind of, <clears throat> Perfectly, uh, with a benediction given by Paul. Verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to end there. So, anything, uh, any comments or anything? Say we tell the mics off. Can you pray? Sure. Father, truly, Lord, we ask as, as we read here, may the God of peace, that's you, hope, uh, God of peace and hope, fill us with the joy and peace, Lord, that only comes from you. Uh, Lord, may this be the reality that we seek in our lives, uh, not what we can have, we can't have, we can do, we can't do, uh, Lord, but what we can have is this relationship with you and, and all that comes with it, Lord, Lord so that we can glorify you. In Jesus' name.